You've got an idea. You want to launch a business. But where do you start? How do you get from here to the dream vision? It's all about making it simple, breaking it down and getting started on one thing. And that is what this episode is all about. What would it take to become the hero of your own life? To build the business you've always dreamt of? To make money doing something you love? It's time to take control. Can we get on with making money and having fun now? I'm not doing it if it's not fun. Join the rebellion with Alan Donegan and welcome to Rebel Entrepreneur. In today's episode, I'm going to work with Sean Jenkins to help him launch his new podcast and his new blog. What I want you to do as you listen on is to think about the questions, the comments and the stories and how they would apply to your business. Because there are some incredible concepts and ideas in this episode that you can apply directly to what you are doing. Whether that's thinking through the value that you offer people, whether it's thinking about why you're doing this, how to promote the name of your business, what area to focus on, how to run mini experiments. There is an incredible amount of value throughout this episode and I want you to think about how you can apply these ideas to your business as I work through them with Sean Jenkins on the episode. So welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur. My name's Alan Donegan and today I've got with me Sean Jenkins, who I actually met in Greece on a financial independence retreat, summit, conference. Uh, welcome Sh- to the Chautauqua. show. A awesome. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Alan. And I, I so enjoyed meeting you and Katie in Greece uh, and coming off the plane, hoping you were real people and hoping you would be there and, and uh the friendship has been fantastic uh, since then. And we are actually real people. Yes, we did show up. We did pick you up. Everything was good. It's um, awesome. And Sean and I spent a couple of weeks together recently in Charleston running a pop-up business school. And Sean helped to bring, well, actually he did. He brought the pop-up business school to Charleston where we ran an event together. And this is why we're chatting, because sat in the back of pop-up business school, you came up with a new idea, didn't you, Sean? Yeah, the, the school was fantastic. And the, really the genesis of this the bringing pop-up to Charleston was in Greece. We were having dinner and you were explaining the pop-up program of helping you know entrepreneurs get their business off the ground. And I thought, boy, I would love to have you come to Charleston. And it took about a year and a half of planning and, and we put it together. Uh, and so it was an inspirational two weeks. I loved being in the room. We had about 125 or, or so entrepreneurs uh, starting businesses or growing businesses they already started. And I, I sat, you know, kind of in the back and on the side and it kind of you know, was just there the whole two weeks and, and enjoyed it. And I just couldn't help myself, but I just made notes and notes about what you all were teaching. And through that, I really had this uh, kind of birthing in my heart to launch a new blog and a podcast to go along with that blog. And uh, I'm really excited to get your feedback and thoughts and, and guidance on that uh, today. So that's the conversation for today, which is how to get this blog, the podcast up and going, get it out there. And the plan is that through these conversations, helping someone to launch a blog and a podcast, the same questions that Sean and I discuss for his are the same questions you need to discuss for your blog and your podcast and going to help you to start up when you get going. Um, so by listening to our conversation, I want you to imagine that I'm just doing with this with you at home or in the car or wherever you are listening to this podcast. 
So, Sean, tell me, what's the idea? Tell me the idea to start with. Well, Alan, I, I want to um, create content that helps, in particular, my my experiences in software. So I built a software company, a software as a service business, and uh, it was so terrific to me and my family and our community that I, I, I want to, in essence, create articles, blog articles, content around the experience. Uh, in addition to that, uh, podcast interviews with founders and uh, leaders of software, software as a service businesses. And so the idea, yeah, I kind of trace it back to a couple experiences. The first experience that I had with blogging was right before I took our company public and uh, had started a software business back in 2000 called Benefit Focus. And it, it was growing tremendously and I always wanted to do an IPO. And so as we approached a, that, that milestone, I was getting this education or training uh, from people who take companies public. And one of the things they said is, your communication will change as a public company. So whatever you do today prior to being a public company, you'll be able to continue to do. And I thought, okay, what 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 do I really enjoy doing um, and communicating? And let me make sure there's a proper format for that. So I actually created somewhat of a personal blog prior to our IPO so I could continue to talk to people. I love to talk to people about their career, businesses, um, you know, interacting with other, other entrepreneurs and so forth. And, and I did that several months before the IPO and I continued that for a couple of years. I thought, well, I'll, I'll learn that I really enjoy this or not, or the type of content that I might be good at uh, producing. Uh, and I did that for several years. And then, as you know, um, two years ago, I decided to effectively do the retirement early thing. I've been following different uh, blogs and podcasts on the whole financial independence, retire early. And I stepped away from my own company that I founded and promoted the team and they, they continue to run it. And I've taken the last couple of years, I don't, I don't know, taken off is the right word because I've certainly been active. In the other piece of that uh, journey is I started blogging again and I created a, a, a blog just to kind of journal my own experience of the transition to early retirement. Uh, I didn't know if I'd start doing like financial independence blogging like lots of folks do or maybe entrepreneurial things. But it was this last two weeks at the pop up business school here in Charleston where I think it really crystallized for me how I want this to move forward and the type of content that I want to produce in, in the audience this is coming into focus. It's not completely clear. And I'd really like some help with that today. Perfect. I love that. So one of the questions I will always ask, and based on one of the pop-up principles of if you have a big enough why, it'll get you through anything. And if you don't have a big why, you'll produce one blog and then stop and we see online so many blogs that have one article written in 2016 and then they've right. died. Uh, right. So to avoid that, it's the size of the why that will drive you through this stuff. So why are you doing this? What's motivating you? What's driving you? Do you have a why or is it just something for fun? No, there's a, there's a why, um, a deep why. And it, there's, you know, the why is probably like a multi-strand cord, if you will. A, a big part of it, and the, the essence of it is, as I have built my career and, and, the, and the business that I was fortunate enough to be part of and build, I was always starving for behind the scenes examples. Like I just, you know, if I'd meet someone who had built a business or, you know, read somebody's book or read their blog, and I was just so hungry for, not not purely just the advice or the how to, but more so what was it like? You know, what was it like to get your first customer? What was it like to lose a customer? What was it like to hire someone? What was it like to 
raise money or you know when you when you put your board together you know what who did you talk to how many people did you talk to to get that board member did you get the wrong board member how'd you deal with investors so the people that helped me and the sources of information uh, were extremely valuable um and i'd like to participate you know pay it forward if you will by providing not only my own experiences and examples that you know i personally witnessed but the people that i've come in contact with the other entrepreneurs uh, that i still stay in communication with and i imagine the the uh, vast number of people that are building great businesses that would like to uh, share their story or share their questions and help develop that so the, the essence of the why is as a growing business entrepreneur myself every scrap of behind the scenes how did you do that what was it like was was like oxygen to uh, feed me and our team and and that's the 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 main thread that i want to put into the content uh both in written form and of course in podcast form as well so i love that so you are going to provide an oxygen mask to the next generation of entrepreneurs <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's good we'll, we'll hope it's uh, we'll hope it's that powerful um but uh it'll it'll definitely be you know experiences people can do with it what they what they will the other thing like a personal why i found uh that i really enjoy interacting with people as they make decisions i love to think through and ask questions of people, teams, businesses, myself, uh, you know, why would you make this decision? How would you make this decision? How would you approach it? How does that affect, you know, the strategy going forward? And I love to see folks make their own decisions with, you know, input uh, and watch them blossom. So whether it's a career decision, should I leave this company or, or not? Should I, should I hire this person or a product decision or a financial decision? I like to be part of those conversations. And I, for some reason, I just have a curiosity about how people make decisions. Uh, so that element of it, and that, that really developed when I did my blog, when I was working at my company it was ended up being almost more like a career advice or I don't know, management leadership type topics of, of helping people make personal decisions as they lead their teams or lead their company. I really enjoy that. I enjoy those interactions and learning about people's stories. So I, I hope to get that kind of personal uh, aspect back out of the blog. Fantastic. Which I guess brings us on to what actually is the subject and who is the audience. And I've got a dichotomy of thoughts on this for you. There is a lot of advice about specialization, choose one subject for one audience. And then there is a huge amount of examples of blogs such as Tim Ferriss's. He has a podcast that the subject changes every week. This week he's talking about sleep, then he's talking about neurotropic drugs, then he's talking about startup business, and you never know what's coming next. And he has one of the most successful podcasts out there, if not the most successful podcast out there. And it's actually quite confusing when you are starting up which way you should go. Should I just create cool content that I'm interested in? Should I have a listener or audience in mind? Should I uh, go specific? Should I just go varied? It actually becomes quite a challenge. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges people face when they're starting up. Do you have any opinions on that? Well, I do. And I'm, I'm hoping our conversation today, or I know it will lead some clarity to that. I, I've read a lot of articles on this exact topic of, you know, how, even how to name the blog. Should the blog be named 
you know, something that, that uh, is specific to your content should you use your personal name. Uh, so a couple of years ago, actually, when I was still working, I thought, well, it, at some point I'll transition to this, you know, take a couple of years off thing and, and then maybe do something different. And I bought some different blog domains, as we all do. Probably everybody's carrying around a basket of, of domains that, that they own. And I bought both types. I bought one called Platform for Good, which which is a frame of reference. I always think of a business as a platform for it to do good, provide jobs, provide economic development, great products, and, and so forth. And then I also bought ones that had my name in them. So I, I actually was fortunate enough to get blog, uh early on. And I've had both of those. As I transitioned out of my you know, full-time career work, I purposely wanted to take two years off. I, I had this clear thought in my mind that I wanted to essentially do nothing for two years. That's why I ended up in Chautauqua in Greece, you know, just hanging out with you and, and my wife and and whatnot. But in that two-year gap period, which just, just wrapped up a couple months ago, and I'm not not really getting back to work, but I'm starting to think more actively about um, you know projects like this. Uh, I did start a blog, and I, I purposely chose Platform for Good dot uh, blog because it was a little bit more of a broader umbrella. And I wrote different types of articles just to see what I would enjoy, to see what might take. Uh, I didn't you know spend money like promoting it or anything like that. I just began to talk. Um, some of it's about financial independence. Some of it's about early retirement. There are articles that I put out there about, you know, software businesses and how to grow a software business or, or you know, bring products to market and that kind of thing. Uh, but going through the the pop-up business school in Charleston, which, you know, we're going to see how pivotal that time uh, was, it became clear to me that um, I wanted to do two things. One is I wanted to switch and use my name. So seanjenkins.blog, uh, which is not live yet, but we're in the process of, of uh, designing that that new blog, that new URL. I'm going to port over the articles that, that I've been writing in the last two years. And I do think it's the content, the subject matter, at least to start, is specifically for software businesses, uh, not not just founders and CEOs, but leaders, people growing software as a service businesses. I find that when I'm in those conversations, you know, I'll have coffee with entrepreneurs building a business like that. That's where I have the most depth. That's where it's kind of effortless for me to recall a story or something we did or, you know, something that someone taught me. And I feel like that would provide the most value to a specific audience. Uh, I may in time expand, you know, into other other areas. But I think there's just tons of great financial independence blogs. There's all sorts of great early retirement material. I, I don't feel like I would add the depth to that aspect uh, of the blog. So I want to I want to use where, you know, I spent basically 18 years in the software business building a company. Uh, I, I want to use that experience and focus that that content i think that's a fantastic way to focus to start with and actually that's something that i've come to and the pop-up business school saying is the quickest way to become famous is to become famous for one thing so that people know what you do and can share it so if you are the person for building software businesses everyone knows the software engineers talk about it did you hear this on seanjenkins.blog did you hear this that's how the message gets out and spreads and grows the blog and the opposite of that is actually what I did in the early days and what slowed down the growth of my business is I was a little bit schizophrenic I would talk about creating the best powerpoint and then I'd run off and talk about 
time management and then I'd run off and talk about entrepreneurship and then I'd go crazy and talk about relationships in business and I think it became a little bit schizophrenic no one knew what they got and no one could recommend me for any one thing and that damaged my progress in the early days and I think one of the differences between those podcasts and blogs we spoke about a minute ago is Tim Ferriss has been doing this for a long long time and he got known originally for one thing and has expanded since. So I think that's the best way for all of us to start is what's the one thing we want to be famous for and how does it spread? Yeah, well, that's very helpful and confirms you know, what I would call this kind of more recent direction and thought process that, that I had. And the other way I've sort of tested this notion of niche, very focused on software, in particular software as a service, you know, um, cloud-based software and, and helping those businesses and somewhere from, you know, startup, getting the idea all the way through growth and profitability. I was able to take our company through a hundred million in revenue, then an IPO and then through 250 million in revenue. So somewhere in that arc of growth, there's just a ton of, of entrepreneurs doing that. And if I look at even the two years that I took off where I was kind of hiding from the world and traveling and, and just enjoying it, the folks that reached out to me during that period and the, in the meetings that I had where I felt like they were the most um, meaningful for myself and the, and the person were really on this idea of, of software and software tech and, and whatnot. And I hadn't thought about just kind of general entrepreneurship and, you know, helping businesses in general and co company culture was something very important to me. But when I meet with, say, someone owns a restaurant or a car repair shop or some other business that I'm not that familiar with, I find it fascinating. I have just as many questions, if not more. I'm really interested in a whole bunch of other topics, but I don't have as much to contribute to those conversations. Whereas when we get back into the software space, you know, the metrics and the math and the examples and the failures and the successes, it's a more natural place for me to be. So that all those things seem to be lining up to point me in this this particular direction. Yes, and I think you can absolutely talk about decision making for software businesses that will apply to all other businesses, but it's focused and grounded in your experience. I think that's a great way to do it. And one of the conversations that we've had that stuck with me the most, I asked your advice. I was working on the pop-up business school TV show and I asked your advice about how do I choose which company to go with? And I always remember the first sentence. You said, let me tell you about the first time I raised $30 million. Uh, that was how you started. You had my attention from second one. And that story and example helped me to think through my decision-making process and come to a conclusion. And yeah, I think focusing on that one thing, it can still be applied to all the different areas, but that's how you get your message out there and keep it. You have all the examples and all the value there. Yeah, that's that's helpful. And I appreciate you saying that. I think it is somewhat human nature for us to want to help everybody or please everybody or or you know not close off any opportunity or, or whatnot. But um, I've seen time and time again, even in my own career, even the name of my company when we started it was called Benefit Focus. A lot of a lot of companies were building software for all sorts of human resources and payroll, and you know it'll do everything. You know these these companies where their software will do everything, 
uh, it'll mow your grass for you, whatever. And, and we, we put the word focus in the name of the company because we thought, well, benefits is a big space. Health insurance in particular is a massive, you know, multi-trillion dollar industry. We thought if that's not big enough, then we, we just won't have a successful business. <laughs> of course, it was wildly a huge market. But there is something in our brains that fight us on that a little bit. You know, we'll, we'll talk to someone on a different topic, like I could help them or I don't want to, you know, that, that could be a great opportunity. Uh, but we we do need friends and, and mentors and advice. And I appreciate you, you know, being a sounding board here for me today as I make a kind of critical early decisions on this on this new blog and the launch is to really stay home in this lane that um, I enjoy, that I'm passionate about, that I have interest in and I think will be um, most valuable. Yes. And I think just because you start there doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. There's always the opportunity to do experiments. And one of the concepts of Pop-Up Business School is to do these mini experiments and see if it goes well. So let's start there and we can always change. As you were speaking, it brought to mind a mini experiment I did. I, like you, have a drive to want to help every single person I ever come across. And uh, as of that drive, Simon found, uh, Simon, my business partner at Pop-Up Business School, found me an opportunity to go into a high security prison in England and run a workshop teaching inmates how to start businesses with no money so that when they came out, they would have an income, a focus, and they'd be less likely to reoffend. That wow. was uh, an intense experience, to say the least, especially when halfway through my presentation, it all kicked off. Uh, there was a guy at the front who was joking, taking the mickey. I knew he was, but I just answered his questions factually, thinking it would keep it calm. A giant guy at the back just threw his arms up and said, what the insert many expletives, he threw his book down, stormed out, people started shouting. Oh and my goodness. There I am sat at the front of this <laughs> this thing, thinking, is it all gonna kick off? Are they gonna fight? Does anyone actually want to start a business? Why am I here? And I think out of a desire to do good and to want to do good and do experiments, I tried to help people that I was not yet equipped to help and my advice would definitely help but I was going in at too early a stage there was many multiple problems that needed dealing with before I got there uh, to help start businesses and I think becoming the expert in helping a type of person or a person in this situation is actually really valuable we can still go and do mini experiments in prisons I, I can get you a date if you want to Sean <laughs> Uh, and then we can bounce back out and see, did that add value to them? Did it add value to me? And then go back to sticking to what we're good at or change if we want to. And I think sometimes those experiments work and sometimes they don't. I think that term, and I've heard you use that when, when we had the pop-up school here, the, the idea of many experiments is helpful. Yeah, I want to be open to serendipity. Like, I, like I'm, I'm in a phase of my life where I have a really successful business kind of in the book, so to speak, as far as starting it, growing it and whatnot. I purposely wanted to take this time off and, and part of the whole joining the financial independence community by going to Chautauqua with JL Collins and you and the guys from Choose Fi and so forth was I wanted to open my life up to serendipitous moments. I wanted, I, mean, I ended up in Greece. I've never been to Greece before. And 
later to Portugal at the at the Chautauqua this past year uh, with you all. And it, it's it's broadened my life. It's made new friends. You guys have now been to our community and and in an interesting way, opening myself up to effectively a mini experiment, in this case, you know, life experiment with changing my career, joining a new community, uh, traveling, uh, spending time and whatnot. It's actually brought me back and, and confirmed for me, and I'm just now getting this as, as we're having this conversation, so it's extremely valuable, that experimentation or that serendipitous moment or saying yes to on a whim to, to do these different things has actually allowed me to step away and effectively look at my career and what I enjoy doing. And it's bringing me back to the same place, which makes me feel even more confirmatory, if you will, on this idea of I love building software businesses. I love being part of software teams. I love being around people that are building you know, technology businesses. And if I had transitioned right from my company right into doing that again, I don't know that I would have trusted my instincts enough on that. But now that I've kind of journeyed around the world and coming back to it, I feel even more at peace with it, if you will, or, you know, centered on it might be a better way to say it. I love that. And one of the examples we always give at Pop-Up is how do you know which type of business you're going to enjoy running, what type of podcast you're going to enjoy running? And they always say to people, do you enjoy ice cream? Um, do you enjoy ice cream, Sean? I do enjoy ice cream. How do you know what your favorite flavor is? You try a lot of different types <laughs> of ice cream. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you go to the grocery store, you buy all of the yes. ice cream, you try yes. every flavor, and then you work out it's half-baked uh, is the flavor. And I think sometimes if you've stuck to one flavor for a long time, you start to doubt whether that's the flavor for you and you need to try a different flavor. Am I stretching this analogy too far? Um, I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's good. But you need to try a whole bunch of different flavors to go, actually, no, I was right. Half-baked or whatever it is, is the flavor for me. And I think that happens at different points in your career. Simon and I running the pop-up business school, we'd been running it for two years we hit a very difficult phase because the British government changed funding for housing associations, who was our major funder. And we had this moment of, is this really what we want to do? And we had to brainstorm all the ideas and try a few things to get comfortable coming back to, no, pop-up business school is the thing we want to do. And if we hadn't have tried those other stuff, explored those other ideas... I think you then end up working on something because you have to, not because you want to, and you get a different energy and a different thing. Yeah, it's, it's a great story and, and there's a ton of wisdom in it. I'll even take it a little step further. And this you know, has to go with the whole idea of taking a couple of years off. And, and as I was um, wrapping up at my own company, which is its own very interesting you know, experience to go through, but I was talking with one of the guys I'm good friends with. And he said, you know, you're about to get a, a zero velocity moment. And I was like, what? He said, you don't get many zero velocity moments in your life or your career. You know, when you're out of college might be one zero velocity moment, or if you lose your job might be a zero velocity moment. He said, you don't want to waste this. You want to really savor the fact that there's no velocity. You can just sit. And um, that helped me uh, create that transition. But as I experienced the zero velocity moment, 
uh, and thought about software and, you know, should I even do another software business or any, any of those types of things? I also thought about my geography and we're in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. It's just a dream place to live and, and it's, it's growing you know, faster than the national average because businesses are coming here and people want to live near the water and the Atlantic Ocean and and, uh, and so forth. But having been here for a number of years and started a business here and kind of my identity was Charleston software executive and startup. I thought, well, maybe I even want a different geography. Maybe, maybe we should go live in the West coast or live in the mountains. And, and we did, you know, we've done a fair amount of travel and we, we plan to do more. We're going to big RV trip and so forth, but something about this, the blog and answering these questions and, you know, what should be the content has even brought me back to Charleston, uh, which I always love and, and we, we didn't leave, but it makes me want to even more hyper focus on Charleston based tech scene and what I can do to help. And I don't mean help like in a charitable sense. You know, these companies don't need like handouts or anything like that. They, they, they're powered by, you know, intensely brilliant, individuals and teams that are passionate and, and so forth but contribute i guess might be another another way or, or participate in both the charleston tech scene and the call it the more national software uh, community the, the intersection of those two things does that does that make sense absolutely makes sense and i think with a market that's defined as that it makes it really easy to get out to the next steps and if i were you I would have a very simple plan and I'd have a two-pronged approach. Prong one would be to reach out to the CEOs and founders of those, you said it was between, what, 100 million and 50 million type area? and Yeah, I think you know, from startup through, through 100 million uh, or so, you know, that's a pretty big range, but there's companies that are in those early stages where they're in growth and they've already got some revenue and there's different, you know, funding levels that go along with that different kind of difficulties that you have to overcome in each of those. But that, that spectrum of, you know, starting up through to profitability and beyond a hundred million, in my case, I would even say beyond, a, beyond an IPO, which is a super special area, that niche, um, which is, you know, many companies, but it's not all the companies in the United States, obviously. So I would, if I were you, I'd probably pick the four, five, six companies that I believe in the most and reach out to them and tell them what you were doing and invite them on the episode. And that's a great way to start. The second approach I would have is a slightly more general approach to software as a service businesses. And I would put up a one page thing saying I'm launching this podcast. Here's what I'm going to be doing. And I need your questions. The content is going to be powered by you, the audience. Click here to send me an audio file with your question. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, then you can very easily have a question audio file and you record an answer in your studio at home with the microphone you've got now. And it's very easy to edit together. And you've got content driven by the audience that you can answer and give great value on. And that will create your first 10 episodes without even trying. It will also get your audience bought in because you're specifically giving them what they ask for. And that's how that then gets shared and spread and worked upon. And I think with those two approaches, you've got enough content to get going for the first 10, 15 episodes without trying. Goodness, <laughs> that, is that is beautiful, man. I'm, I'm just like taking notes as fast as I can. I love this idea of 
of the two prong approach because that, that helps me think think about it. Simple simple framework. And I got my whiteboard here, and I'll I'll, I'll write this down. But four or five entrepreneurs who have started businesses that I can just put a, a, a simple call out to or email or whatnot. Uh, and those can be some episodes. And then um, this idea of putting a page on the new blog where people can record. I love that. I've been thinking about a Q&A format and you know, people type it in and I've got to type it back or perhaps a video or whatever, but just an audio file is simple. And then I could bundle up those. Maybe it's one person asking a couple questions and then I respond, or maybe it's a couple different people with different questions and packaging that together. Uh, that's, that's a, it just feels good to my soul there, Alan. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for giving me that one. I am such a big fan of simplicity and making things easy. And I love a simple plan. I think a lot of times when people are launching businesses, they try and do everything at the start and become paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And the simpler the plan, the more likely we are to follow through. And actually I've been a victim of this with this particular podcast I had a very simple plan to start with and then had a few other friends get involved and give me ideas and the plan got more and more complex. Then we were recording live at events and I was doing coaching and it became too complex and it actually stopped me from getting going and coming back to what's the simplest possible version that adds the most value to the audience, I think is enables you to get going quickly. Yeah, I love that. And how should I think about the audience and, and building the audience. So I'm, I'm in a situation where, yeah, I want to do this. I have I have the passion to do it. I have the time to do it. And um, you know, I've, I've got this, you know, the, the genesis of the idea. And now you're, you're helping me kind of flesh that out. At the same time, I don't have a, an enormous amount of pressure to make it successful in the first three months, or it doesn't have to carry my living expenses or whatever in the first you know, year or whatnot. But I want to think of it as a business because, you know, anything that you do that either loses money will, will get old or just is, is sort of a hobby, won't have the, the focus. What would your thoughts be for me as I purposely create content and build the audience? Like what, what, what should I think about as far as metrics or how, how would I lay out what success looks like? I've got a couple of thoughts for you to start with. The first, have you heard the expression, if you build it, they will come. Uh, I've heard that many times, yes. Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams. Yes, I've uh, seen it. Or yes. Wayne's World actually said it as well. Classic movie from my childhood. Uh, <laughs> it's actually the biggest lie that's out there. If you build it, no one will come unless you tell the world about it. And it's all very well you creating content in the isolation of your home in Charleston. But if we don't do something with it, if we don't share it with the audience, if we don't get it out there... It'll never go anywhere. So we have to come up with a way to promote it and share it. Now, there's so many different ways to do that to build the audience. The slowest is the organic asking people to share. So you say to people, if you've had value out of this, then please share it with other software developers, software co-founders. That is really important to do. And it's the most valuable traffic It's also the slowest and it's an exponential one. So you'll see no growth for months and then it'll start to kick off at the tail end. So I would say to kickstart things off, we need to get going earlier. And having just listened to your audience, I used to have a radio show. It was rather egotistically called The Alan Donegan Show. 
Yes. Um, and it was a chat show. And when I was choosing my guests, actually the guests I chose were the ones with the largest number of Twitter followers or the largest Facebook audiences. And what I found was when I launched that stuff and got it out there, they would then share that they'd been on my show. So I would purposefully take selfies with them when I was doing it. I would purposefully tell them when the show was out. I'd send them an email saying, here's the shareable link. Click here to share it on Facebook. Click here to share it on Twitter. And I used the guests' audiences to build my show. Now, when you start, it's great to get a big guest. It's great to do that. You've got specialized knowledge in the area. I think you could find three or four founders who have big companies and big platforms that we could very easily use to spread the word about your business. And that's going to give you a greater velocity at the start than just trying to build it on your own. Mm, That's terrific. It reminds me of this concept out of a book called uh, Blueprint to a Billion. And and I read this book a bunch as I was thinking about scaling our business. Great title. uh, Yeah, they call it uh, the the big brother effect or the big brother strategy where a smaller company gets a, a large customer. In our case, it was large health insurance companies, Blue Cross, Blue Shield plans and so forth. And then you kind of come underneath their halo or their big brother effect and then help them promote you to their customer base or their audience. And, and, and also they, they kind of give you the, the seal of approval, if you will. So they're associated with you. Uh, but I hadn't thought specifically in terms of this new blog of reaching out to, you know, people I know, or, or I guess maybe know somebody who knows them and, and including them. Cause I was, was so focused on early stage, particular entrepreneurs, but this could be a, a bit of a blend. So maybe, maybe there's, early stage companies that are really getting going with have the great questions. And then every so often a um, maybe a successful business that's on the other end of the spectrum that that could be part of the podcast as well. Absolutely. That you're intrigued about that you want to ask questions of that will provide as much value to your audience listening as you do. Getting those people on could absolutely launch. And that halo effect you've talked about Having the stamp of approval, and you see this on so many people's websites. So the website will start, here's our podcast, here's our blog, and then it will have an as seen on section. Right. And it's as seen on CNBC, as seen on ABC, as seen on, ours says, because we're a British company, ours says, as seen in the Telegraph, as seen in the Times, as seen on the BBC. And those kind of stamps of approval are, you borrow the trust people have in those brands. One of my very, very early days, ones when I was launching my presentation skills business, my first ever properly big client was Microsoft. And that was a game changer to get that client. Because when I said to other clients, oh, I run this course for Microsoft, they had this moment of, oh, if you do it for Microsoft, that probably means it's good enough for me. And being able to borrow their trust in their business, the the halo effect, exactly as you've said, I think will really help us to get going. So if we can find that through a couple of your networks and we can find those people and get them on your show, it's going to create a wealth of audience very quickly. Awesome. Okay, so uh, extremely helpful. And and. It strikes me that the effect they would have early on would be outsized. So rather than waiting a year or two until I've got a lot of content and I've had some measure of you know audience, 
actually in the early days, they will have the effect of essentially supercharging or really boosting or getting the snowball or the flywheel, as they say, uh, getting that going. Uh, so it makes me, um, I hadn't thought about this aspect or strategy at all. And now, particularly as we're talking, it makes me uh, think about trying to pull those forward because the blog needs that halo or that big brother effect. It, it would even be more valuable at the beginning than it would be later on, I guess. Yeah, incredibly valuable to get going because it gets you to the exponential part of the growth curve far quicker. And it will help the new businesses that you're working with because if you can get that exponential curve going quicker, you'll get better coverage for those new businesses you're supporting as you get going. Uh, mm. And maybe you do one big one, one new starter, and then a questions, and then one big one, new, new starter, and a questions. And you've got a simple structure that keeps it simple for you and helps you grow faster to start with. That's terrific. And, and the way you're had this idea of kind of content by stage. And so maybe it's a, you know, below a million dollars in revenue, just getting started the early stage or a million to 5 million or five to 20 or whatever in those, those each have different stages, perhaps the way we line up the guests and it, it's a combination of articles, but also podcasts, uh, as we're talking about here, interviews, uh, with folks, maybe there's a, a logical way to go back and forth between the different stages, uh, of the companies I'm talking to, and I can uh, seek out companies of different sizes and have them slotted kind of back to back. I love that. I love that. So I guess where we've come to now is what's the biggest challenge you see with getting this going, Sean? What's the thing that you think is going to be the biggest stumbling block for you? What's the biggest challenge coming up? I think getting back to work. And so I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh have um, done things over the last two years, but nothing that would resemble routine scheduling or or whatnot. And as I was away from my regular career and job, I, I was kind of had a little bit of a like allergic reaction to anything on my schedule or anything that resembled, you know, looking at a Microsoft PowerPoint or whatnot. And clearly what we're talking about here is not that. This is my own podcast. Uh, this is my own blog. I can do it at whatever pace. But I... I do know that to build something successful, it takes a lot of effort. It takes sustained effort. Yes. Um, this will not be overly onerous on me. It's not going to be, uh, I'm going to follow your lead and doing it you know, very, uh, without any debt and very low expense, just getting it, getting up and running. But I guess um, getting in the rhythm might be, or back into some sort of work shape. I, I don't, I'm not even sure how to say it, but finding my new, or a new system or schedule or rhythm, how, how would you advise that I get in touch with my work self again, maybe? <laughs> it's the excitement to get on with it and the excitement to do it. And then it definitely becomes a scheduling issue with the podcast because you have guests, you have conversations, and we had to schedule this call today. So we had to say we will speak at 10 a.m., on the 24th and um, that's when we're going to chat and there is a logistics element to making this happen the way i've started to think about it with any business is there's the stuff you love and the stuff you have to do to get to what you love and both need doing and you've got choices with the stuff you don't love you can outsource it you can spend money on it with this it's probably going to be fairly small it's the scheduling and the organizing 
and if you're doing it from the home office, as I can see you are, you can have things set up just to get going. But it's realising that the value, the energy, the excitement and those moments when you are in the flow only happen if you do the stuff you don't necessarily want to do up front. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And um, you talk about flow. So when I do find myself sitting down with someone who's building a business or building a team, even if they're not the founder or the owner, uh, and they're going through, you know, the tension that comes with success or potentially pressure from a you know business in a different cycle. Uh, I really enjoy those moments of helping people think through those things, asking those questions, just curious myself and understanding them. And what I want to do is effectively capture those moments of having coffee with with another entrepreneur and make them available so that they can, you know, be of benefit to other folks back to that original desire. I just always want to know behind the scenes how people did stuff or what it was like. The way you said it, you know, the stuff you love and then the stuff you need to do to get to the place where you have the things you love. I guess it's, you know, might be boiled down to just the administration of setting up my system. I do now have my microphone and my, my headphones. Thank you to, cause you booked this call with me. And I was like, I got to have a good microphone to talk to Alan. Cause he's a pro. <laughs> so you, you've sort of given me a boost even before we started the call today, putting the gear together, getting the recording equipment and then getting the, the call scheduled and so forth. I'll spend time today and this week. Uh, and I'll, I'll just make a little list for myself of, getting the, the tools and the administration set up and then working on the calendar. That's very helpful. Yes. And I think whenever it's launching a business, the ideal is what's the three things you need to do? One, set up the schedule. Two, make sure the kit works. Three, get the first guest. And I think it's boiling it down to a very simple thing you can get going because launching a podcast can be as complex as you want. It can be as big as you want. And you've got people like NPR who do it with teams of 12 to 20 working on one show. And then you've got one man or one lady bloggers uh, who do it all on their own. Um, So the question is, how complex do you want to make it? And I get the feeling that you don't. So my question is, what's the three things you're going to do to get going? I think scheduling the first guest. So having the uh, scheduled pressure to put the kit together and, and you've already helped me get part of the kit going by, by, by booking this. So if I work today in the next couple of days, maybe this week to get my first guest or first and second guest lined up and maybe put on the calendar, then that will help in my mind force me because I like things to be done correctly, obviously, as, as you do. And I'll have the pressure to ensure that I know how to record. I'll, I'll probably go above and beyond by you know testing the recording with my son or, or someone like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to start with getting the first guest scheduled, followed by filling out my toolkit, as you say. So I've got some work to do on you know, the recording and, and that kind of thing. And I do have a friend that that's going to help me. Um, he's helping me both get the new blog set up, but also experiment with some of the podcast. Uh, so putting the, the the team together, but not a big team, not, not employees or anything like that, associates, as I would say. So schedule the first guest, get that on the calendar, and then work backwards to make sure I'm prepared for it. I love that. And then we'll be launching SeanJenkins.blog, putting the oxygen mask on software as services businesses.
Oh my gosh! All right, I gotta, I gotta get that clip, and uh, that'll that'll be my intro to uh, to all my podcasts going forward. That voice was really good. If you need a British voice, I'm in. I'm there to help in any way I can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Oh, well, this terrific. has been fun. Um, will you come back on in a few months' time and let us know how it's gone? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. And, and uh, it's a real honor to be part of your podcast and, and just work with you again, you know, the pop-up business school or going to Chautauqua and uh, you know, opening myself up to serendipity has brought a great relationship with you and, and your wife, Katie, and our and, and our family, and also brought me into this broader you know, financial independence community and, and the, the, uh, the pop-up business school community. And so I, I love to uh, be back on the show uh, if you'll have me uh, in the future and also can't can't wait to see all the great content that comes out of your new podcast as well thank you sean and so just to confirm anyone who wants to find this new podcast and blog it will be sean jenkins s-h-a-w-n jenkins dot blog that's exactly right and uh look forward to seeing you soon perfect thanks for coming on the show Thank you. You've been listening to Rebel Entrepreneur with Alan Donegan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get new, fresh episodes as soon as they've launched. To stay up to date with the rebellion, visit choosefi.com slash rebel. Thanks for joining the rebellion. Rebellion.